There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply, if rated PG. I'm a park ranger for a national park in the United States. And this story I'm going to tell you has been hidden for years by my superiors. But now I shall finally bring it to the light. When I first got this job, they were very straightforward with answering all of my questions until we were driving along one of the dirt roads. Off in the distance, I spot a barbed wire fence surrounding an area of land on the side of a mountain. What's that fence for? I asked while observing it from afar. The park ranger that was showing me around looked to where I was pointing, and I could sense fear by the way his eyes slightly grew wider. He focused back on the road and said, 
that's nothing. Just a place to protect the wildlife and plants that live there from getting trampled on by hikers. His response made sense to me because I've heard of other areas being blocked off to protect the plants and such, but his body language was holding something from me. However, I didn't want to be that annoying new guy, so I just replied with, Okay, makes sense to me. The man tightened his grip on the steering wheel as he stated, Yeah, just make sure to keep people and yourself far away from that area entirely, you know, to protect the plant. Feeling a sort of awkward silence between us, I replied saying, Will do, but if I may ask, what plant species are they trying to protect in the fence? The man's face scrunched up as he thought about how to respond. He then just said to me, You'll find out later what's back there, but you haven't been here long enough for us to trust that you won't tell anyone about it, so just hold your horses. After hearing this, I slumped in my seat and listened to the rest of the tour of the area. When we got back to the ranger station, everyone was welcoming me and introducing themselves, and one man in particular stood out to me. He had sort of a Santa Claus physique with an especially white beard that had only small remnants of a gray color to it. When I shook his firm hand, he told me his name was Paul Guire, but he goes by Ranger Paul. He was the main one in charge of foreseeing this particular national park, so he took me into his office to give me all of the gear that I would need along with the schedule. What made you want to be a park ranger, kiddo? He asked as he signed some documents that laid on top of his desk. Taking a second to think about how to respond, I then said, You know, I enjoy the outdoors and thought it would be both fun and interesting to be a park ranger. He looked up from signing papers and said, Are you easily scared? This question caught me off guard and wondered why he was asking me that. Anyway, I knew I had to respond, so I said, I'm not really scared of that much. Maybe bears. Ranger Paul scoffed after hearing this saying, bears. Bears are the least bit of your worries here. We lose far more people who've gotten lost in the woods than people who've been mauled by bears. He pauses and looks out the window as he continues. It's the woods you have to worry about. How many people go missing here a year? I asked, trying to avoid an awkward silence. Too many is all I can say. If it wasn't for that darn, Paul stopped mid-sentence and turned to me. You'll see, he muttered as the park ranger who was showing me around previously walked into the room and pulled me out, taking me to sign all of the required paperwork. As I was signing, I could barely hear him talking to Ranger, Paul saying something along the lines of you'd nearly told him what's out there before he even signed the non-disclosure agreement. The rest of their conversation got muffled after the door closed completely. I was honestly intrigued to figure out what they were hiding beyond that fence. After that, I took every chance I could get to find out as much as I could about it, but no one budged on what they originally told me until I had worked there for about three months. That's when Ranger Paul decided I should know what was behind the fence. 
He pulled me into his office on a stormy day when we weren't checking if people had paid for their camping tickets and said, I'll you've been interested to figure out what was behind that fence, and you will but promise me that you will never tell another soul about it. I promised, and he continued, You're not going to like what I'm going to tell you because it's quite anticlimactic. The reason we have that fence to keep people out is that there is a stream of water up there that just pops out of the ground from some source within the mountain itself and flows for about 20 feet before it again disappears back into the mountain. I interrupted saying, that's really not that unusual. I mean, it could just be a spring popping out from the ground. Paul raised his hand up to quite me as he continued saying, You're right, but that's not what's unusual about this. The water, it flows. Upstream, it goes against gravity and all other forces of nature as it flows upward on the mountain for twenty feet. Perplexed and intrigued at the same time I said, Really? If it does, why put a fence around such a scientific marvel? People would come across the world to see it. Ranger Paul smiled as he said, That's what they first insisted on doing, but that place ain't right. It's cursed or something. I asked him what he meant, and he responded by saying, Most of the people who discovered went missing and were never found. Those were the lucky ones. For the ones that didn't go missing, they somehow were morphed into deformed humanoids without the capability to speak. One, however, could slightly speak, and all he said was, Hell's Entry. After he said this, I knew he had to have been playing a prank on me to haze me or something, but his expression never changed as he said, That water going against gravity is some sort of an enigma. The place is like the Bermuda Triangle, a sort of place trapped between dimensions, crap like that. The government tried to study it, but after losing half of their scientists who were researching it, they gave up on it, leaving it locked up behind that fence. As he went on, I didn't know if I should have believed him or not because it was so outlandish of an idea. When the storm clouds moved out of the area, Ranger Paul sent me back out to check if people had paid for their campgrounds, leaving me with this last sentence, Don't ever go over that fence. A few days soon passed by after this, and I couldn't deal with the explanation that Paul gave to me. It just didn't make sense, and so one night I snuck out and decided to hike over to the fenced area. I took a pair of wire cutters to cut through the fence because I didn't want to try and climb over the bob, wire that was wrapped around the top of it. When I finished cutting out a small hole, I would be able to fit in. I brightened my flashlight as I heard the trickling of water. Following the sound, I soon stumbled upon the stream and its magnificent beauty. When I shined my flashlight at the water, it was almost as transparent as glass. Ranger Paul was making the whole thing up when he said the water went backward against gravity. To my utter amazement, I reached my hand down into the stream and felt the push of the water towards the top of the mountain. I was elated due to how beautiful it was and wondering why anyone would ever want to hide something like this.
As I was touching the water, I heard something splash in the water, and glancing over, I saw a man crouched over on all fours with his back to me. Startled by the man's presence and wondered if he was lost, I got back on my feet and walked toward to him. "'Are you lost, sir?' I asked as I placed my hand on his shoulder. His head turned around to meet my gaze, and my heart stopped. All he had on his pale blank face was a mouth full of sharp, edged teeth. Stumbling backward, I fell into the stream, which felt strange as it tried to push me up the mountain until I pulled myself out. The thing didn't move at all, but just sat there mumbling fragmented sentences. Freaked out, I darted to where I came, and the thing somehow sensed my sudden movements and inhumanly crawled after me. It climbed into a nearby tree and tried to pounce on me, all the while I could hear it say in an uneven tone, Save me. Hell. Gates. Freaking out, I noticed that the ground underneath me was shifting and gravity was coming in and out. The world around me seemed to change back and forth, but I kept in the same direction and saw the fence ahead of me where I cut the hole out of. It kept changing from a fiery cave wall back to the fence until I quickly made it there, but it was a cave wall by then. There was no way for me to escape now until it swiftly changed back for a fragment of a second. Taking the opportunity, I jumped through the hole in the fence, and the thing tried to follow after me, but didn't make it through. Its screams still keep me awake at night. After this ranger, Paul later found out about it, but didn't fire me on the spot. Instead, he said, after being in there, you're the last person on earth who would ever want to go back in, so I'm not going to fire you. He did instead gave me all of the crappy jobs for two months afterward. That happened around four years ago. But still, I'm not supposed to be posting this story here due to the non-disclosure agreement I signed. I guess I just broke that agreement because I need to warn everyone that if you find a random area in the woods fenced off, whatever you do, don't try to break into it. You just might not make it back. I was in the Navy, and we spent a lot of time out at sea. I've seen mysterious clouds go into machines. The next few hours, that machine would break down. No reason. Not all the technicians and actual designers could explain what happened or why. I've seen a headless shipmate floating about. Machines would break, turn off for no reason. I would call out shipmate, and the machine turns on immediately after. Chicken bones. A particular machine was a chronic offender. Then out of spite slash desperation, the technicians placed chicken bones at the bottom of the cabinet. Machine behaved. Come next audit inspection, they found the chicken bones and ordered them removed. Within four hours, while the audit team was still around the machine, failed without explanation or cause. It had to be replaced. There are stories of topsiders who saw, heard things that scared them so much they refused to go into parts of the ship, or even stand watch in certain areas again.
I want to post this one dream I had like two years ago that I just remembered. The dream kind of went like thus. I went back up north to visit cousins. They live up in the mountains. I remember it being night outside. Well, I was in the house, but I spotted a deer outside. For whatever reason, I remember following it into the woods, and from there it lead me to a clearing. And I was a wendigo, and we just stared at each other for a good minute. I remember it saying something to me. But I forgot what it said. But from there it offered me some form of meat, probably human, which for some reason I ate. I remember the dream then cutting back to me, leaving my cousin's house, but I also remember freaking out and hearing a voice in my head. But that's when I woke up. I also don't know if this is related, but two weeks before I took some mushrooms and remember having a trip where I was running through a forest, but when I came back to reality, I found myself bidding my hand for some reason. Does these events mean something? My brother was bear hunting near the Mexican border and had been out for a few days. Around dusk on day three, he started to head out of the canyon. On the trail, a very large tree branch that wasn't previously there was now blocking his path. This is where being aware of your surroundings is important. As he bent down to take his pack off, he heard voices in the canyon below. He accidentally snapped a branch, and all over the voices stopped. Then all he heard was multiple people running in different directions, forming a circle around him. He hunkered down and sent a text out to our family, unsure if anyone got it. Only my father and I knew where he was, and I was 400 miles away. My mom couldn't find my dad. My sister-in-law was frantic, and nobody thought to ask me. So my, while my brother is worried if anyone got his text, my family is worried they won't find my dad in time. Eventually, they found him at the gym and notified the sheriff's depth before heading out to show them where my brother was presumed to be. As night wore on, my brother slipped off his boots and pulled out his forty caliber. At that point, he realized he was sitting in the bear piss scent he had tracked in, so not only did he have humans to worry about, the bear he had been tracking may very well now be tracking him. He knew his truck was about a one-fourth mile away, and he's a fast guy, so he was preparing to make a mad dash for it. Then a border patrol helicopter swooped in the canyon below, Floodlights lighting the canyon up like Christmas Eve. My brother slipped his boots on, holstered his pistol, and started to hike out. Wasn't too long before he encountered a border patrol agent who then informed him that his wife was very angry and was waiting for him at the trailhead. It was about midnight. We think they set up the ambush so they could steal his truck that was parked at the base of the game trail he was on. By the time the sheriffs and border patrol found him, he had been hunkered down for four plus hours. If he had not been in camo, I'm not sure he would have been able to wait them out as they came within 20-30 feet of him at one point. After finding my brother, the border patrol caught 11 drug smugglers in the same canyon that night.
This takes place back around 2017 or 2018 when I was a bit younger. My stepfather owned two acres of land in the forest in Maryland, while we lived in the small part that separated it from the rest of West Virginia. One day after a snowfall, my sister and I were clearing a path to a barn he had in the back of the property. As we made our way back, we noticed something strange, bare footprints measuring about 16 to 18 inches in size. The footprints ended not too far into the forest. We didn't think much of it at the time and went back inside the house. It wasn't until later that month when my sister brought up the possibility that it could have been a Wendigo. We initially played it off as a joke, but looking back, it does make me wonder, considering it was December, with limited visibility due to the snow, and we were just two 12-year-olds, the situation becomes more unsettling in retrospect. If I had been the only one to investigate those footprints, I shudder to think what might have happened. What truly unsettles me is the realization that it may have been stalking us every night, waiting for the right moment to try and snatch one of us kids. Now I can't say with 100% certainty that it was a Wendigo, but everything seems to add up. If anyone out there can help me confirm or shed some light on what we experienced, I would greatly appreciate it. A couple years back, I volunteered for a sea turtle conservation group on St. Catharines Island off the coast of Georgia. It's a small island, and at any time there can be fewer than a dozen people on it, and it's not developed beyond a few generators, refurbished slave cabins, a mess hall, and a few conservation buildings. When walking around at night, it's basically pitch black because of the forest canopy, so most people have a flashlight or headlamp with them. Anyways, I was walking back to my slave cabin from the mess hall alone, and my headlamp wasn't working. I couldn't see a damn thing, so I'm basically stumbling over stones and stumps. As I'm walking, there was a scream. Only way I can describe it is as a deep, guttural grunt type scream made me stop dead in my tracks after a few moments i keep walking still messing with my headlamp the damn thing finally turns on and i'm face to face with a deer i'm in the middle of a bunch of deer just standing around and this one is just staring at me right in the eyes i was within a foot of it scared the living shit out of me i walked around it and ran back to my cabin I am a reasonably social person. Four years ago, I was living in Pittsburgh and decided to bike to D.C., about 350 kilometers. There is a trail that goes and is fairly fast from civilization, especially in the West Virginia, Maryland stretch. It's a known route a lot of people do often. However, normally you'd go in a group and do it in four, six days. I went alone and was done in three. This meant leaving before sunrise and finishing after sunset every day, pedaling to no end and having no one to talk to, 
By the end of day, too, I started hearing voices. Not random amorphous voices you normally have in your head. Voices belonging to specific people in my life. They were saying things consistent with those people's personalities, and we had long conversations about a whole host of things. Most interestingly, I was aware that this was all happening in my head the entire time, but had no way to turn it off. It all went away once I had a good night's sleep and a real meal, but it was a very interesting experience. I imagine this is what schizophrenia feels like, minus the awareness that the voices are not real. It was a wild night, one that I'll never forget. The date was September 1, 2020. I live in Naperville, Illinois. I was headed back home on a public bus. I believe it was a pace, and I was pretty much alone. Just me and the bus driver and one or two other people. That in and of itself was strange, but I'm not sure that was related. Anyways, I board the bus, and the bus driver is stopping off at plenty of locations. We arrive at one where there's little to no light around it, no street lamps, no houses or buildings. No, nothing. The only thing illuminating the scene was the dim light inside the bus and the headlights. The bus driver opened the doors, and nobody budges. But as the bus driver began to close the doors, we heard these really heavy footsteps come out of nowhere. Then I heard the most god-awful sound I have ever heard. It wasn't quite screaming, it wasn't singing, but it sounded angry. The bus driver began to open the doors again for the thing to the board, but as soon as it came into eyesight, nobody wanted that, that thing, to board this bus. The driver shut the doors as quickly as he could, and this creature became infuriated. It was wearing women's clothing, an orange shirt, an orange hat with some shorts. It had been hot here. But that thing was not like any woman I've ever seen. I don't even know how to describe it. It could have the power to shapeshift if that's a thing. This thing, it was a she, or at least wanted to appear so, began pounding on the bus doors, howling its angry, screaming song. It went on for a long time. The bus driver was clearly in shock and confused and downright scared, as he should be. Hell, I was scared too. I don't think any of us knew what to do, and at the same time we weren't sure if this thing would follow us. If we did let the creature in, would it harm us? Kill us even? Would it chase after us if we didn't? If we called the police and it left, would they even believe us? It wasn't any kind of cryptid like Bigfoot or the Chupacabra? Was it an extraterrestrial life form? It is an experience I will not forget ever in my life. The first thing I did when I arrived home was look up anything similar to no avail. So after these three years, I decided to report it. I know that you have been involved with the Chicago Mothman sightings investigation, but is it possible that this thing is related?
It happened again late one night in September 2018. I live in northeast Pennsylvania. I have been an experiencer for most of my life. They made no attempt to show up quietly either. There was an electrical storm, and I've seen craft hanging around those. So when one of these storms, with no rain, was hanging out directly over the house for a while, I knew they were coming. They took out the lights first, and I tried not to be scared. I'm tired of being scared, so I asked how to make the fear go away. I tried to go about my evening routine. Then there was some sort of hissing at the front door. Was I imagining it? No. That is definitely for me. So I got mad. You have to honor free will. You can't take me against my will. I repeated many times. Now, though, I think this was my opportunity. To cooperate had I let them in. I wish I had the courage to do this so I could learn what they're doing. The hissing stopped when I refused to open the door. Storm got angrier, so I went to bed. I kept repeating variations of the free will thing for a while, not happy that they clearly had other plans. Then I called my sister to attempt to wake them out, talked with her for a while, then tried to go to sleep since by now the power was back. I told them I need my alarm for work, thought they might move on. Still wide awake, but I can't sleep. My cat starts weirdly slinking off the bed like he's stalking something in the corner of the room, but very slowly. So I sit up to see what he's watching. The blue light from one of their freaking wands blinks off. I could see it under the door when I sat up. The cat calmed down and returned to his spot. Apparently, they don't just control us in our sleep. I called my sister again. Now I'm really upset. She tells me to come over. It's too late, even if I wanted to. They are determined. So I resign myself to my fate and go to sleep. I have to get up in four hours by now. They must be trying to take my soul again like they did the only other time I remember seeing the stick with the blue diode at the end because I had a brief out-of-body experience. The last time I saw it, one of the few times I remember anything at all. They were trying to teach us how to leave our bodies. But by teach, I mean, they rip you out forcefully to get you used to the feeling. Empathy is not a thing the gray being have, I guess. But I don't think it's them. I think what runs the show are the reptilians. I sat up in bed from sudden pain. It shocked me awake but then the pain from my arm falling asleep in my body pulled at my soul, and my actual body sat up to absorb the soul. I watched myself sit up into myself. Kinda cool. Then they knocked me out, I guess because I was out immediately afterward. I had personal enlightenment recently where I felt the fire of the chakra alignment send this new energy up my spine. It's a more intense ability to connect to the universe I haven't had before. I can literally feel it now when I tap in to talk to the universe. It's like tingles up my vertebrae. I have a very strong feeling their sudden intensity was because of this. They've never been so obvious before. Clearly I needed to be studied immediately, but they don't want the body. 
They only want the soul. Them and that damn stick. I think I might have a soul contract with them. I need to figure out how to get out of... I had a hypnotic regression done a few weeks after that incident. It was very disappointing because my questions were not answered. The encounters have been less severe since then. I'm just hoping that it eventually stops. My father and I were in Dulce, New Mexico. I've lived in New Mexico since 2000, but have never been to this town, despite it having quite the history in cattle mutilations, etc. As we were inside the grocery store, there were two very strange-looking teens wandering around, almost like brother and sister. The younger boy was about eleven and had his hair slicked like alfalfa from the little rascals, and the teen girl was wearing dark black sunglasses indoors the whole time. Upon leaving the store, another family was coming in, a white engineering-type nerdy government lab, looking type with a Native American woman, along with their four children. There was a baby in the basket covered with a blanket, a two-year-old and what looked like four- and seven-year-old girls. The combination of the nerdy engineering, type white guy with his native-looking wife and such an insular community seemed strange to me for this area. Then there were the children whose skin was much, much darker than that of what I assumed to be their native American mother. The two girls stopped short of me as I was coming out of the grocery store entrance. The way they looked at me, almost animal-like in curiosity, with silent gazes and their heads cocked inquisitively, almost like a curious puppy dog with what seemed to be extremely dark black, very reflective, glistening eyes. Three experiences at the same place. About two hours from Phoenix, there's a petroglyph mound. It's well documented and all that. No secret. And a very cool place. One day, I rented a fun car and went for a drive through the desert. I saw the landmark sign for the site from the highway and decided to go take a look. Nothing particularly weird happened. Although there was definitely an energy feel about the place. I don't know how else to describe the experience other than to say the place had energy and you could perceive it. Now at the time I carried two cell phones, one for work and one personal. I was taking pictures with each and texting them to people and I happened to notice that with the Verizon phone, as I got closer I got to the mound, my signal would fade. Right up next to the rocks, no signal. Fifty yards away, full signal. The ad and T phone wasn't affected at all. In addition to the energy feeling, I had the sense that I was trespassing. But because I was being quiet and respectful, my presence was being tolerated. After a while, I knew it was time to leave. Nobody else was there the whole time I was. But as I was driving out, somebody else passed me on the way in. It felt like the place didn't want more than one person there at a time. 
second time I went, I took my parents when they were in town visiting. There were a bunch of other people there, too, walking around. The energy field wasn't there, like it was hiding with so many people in the area. Fast forward several years, and there's a meteor shower supposed to happen this particular night. My girlfriend and I both wanted to see it, and I knew from being out there during the daytime that it would be truly pitch-dark black at night, and that there was a good parking lot to set up some chairs and watch the meteorites. So we do that, and we'd been chilling for about five minutes when we both get that somebody is watching me feeling very intensely and at the same time. We both shined our flashlights around in a circle a few times and didn't see anybody. We figured that we were just spooking ourselves out and sat back down for a few minutes, but the feeling got way stronger, like this amped up electric danger get out now instinctual fear feeling. We threw our chairs in the car and I asked that place as quickly as we could. Once we got back to the main road, we were asking each other, did you feel that too, or am I just being crazy? Questions, and we both had the same exact feeling. So it's completely possible that we were just being weenies and scared each other. It's also possible that I was projecting some kind of respect, the sacred Indian land feeling onto the place from my first experience, but in my heart I don't think so. Either something didn't want us there that night, or somebody was about to hurt us and we were being warned to leave before that happened. I just got goosebumps on my arms and legs from thinking about it. At the end, my hypothesis was that there is something unique or powerful about that site, and whatever that is also caused the Indians to choose it for their purposes. About four or five years ago, I was walking down a bike path in the back of my house in Fairfax County, Virginia, with my stepdaughter, when I saw two boys leaning against their bikes up ahead. I didn't really think much about it, since it is a bike path, until one of the kids raised his head up and looked me straight in the eye. That's when fear struck me so hard I was stopped dead in my tracks. His eyes were black and hollow like he didn't have a soul. It was like looking at pure evil. At least that's the way I described it when I recounted the incident later that evening to my husband. And my other daughter, I immediately led my stepdaughter off the path, cut through someone's yard, and walked out to the street. I didn't know what I had encountered at the time, but now I'm quite sure it was the black-eyed children. I don't know what they are, but I know they are dangerous. It was so weird I thought that my stepdaughter would also be aware of what I perceived to be impending danger, but she was completely oblivious, even when I led her off the path and onto the street. I somehow knew I had to get out of there now. Surprisingly, they appeared normal in every other aspect except for the eyes, of course, and a vague awareness that they didn't quite fit into the environment. I only saw the eyes of one of them because the other kid had his back to me. He looked to be around 13 or 14, flannel shirt and jeans, in a swarthy complexion, 
Now that I've been reading about these encounters, it piques my curiosity, but I wouldn't want to run into them again. As the title says, I've been hearing knocks on my window at night. They aren't very rhythmic or frequent, but they sound very much like somebody is knocking on the window. I live on the fourth floor of an apartment complex, and there are no trees near or high enough to do it. The weird thing is, it only happens late at night, past 1 or 2 a.m., but only when I'm trying to sleep. I haven't heard them staying up late, yet there's also other noises, but it's hard to tell if it's the window or my pet rats that get a little crazy at night. The knocks are definitely the window, though. I'm an extremely paranoid person. While I would check it out any other time of day, as soon as everybody is asleep and it's just me, the knocking in the dark, I am paralyzed. My fear response is freeze, so as soon as I hear it, I hide myself like a child as best I can, waiting in ice-cold sweat. That's what happened today. I couldn't sleep until I heard the knocks at around 1 a.m. I tried ignoring it and listening to calming music, but my one earphone was broken and I still could hear it. I finally managed to sleep, only to wake up at 3 a.m., I wanted to sleep again, calm down now, only to become utterly terrified when it continued. I eventually slept through the night, but it was the most stress I never want to experience at night.